It happens to everybody. He made up this whole story just to avoid committing to me. And the worst part is, he's going to get away with it. They always do. Yeah, men are such a pain. I have someone who's very special to me, but he wouldn't notice me if I set fire to my hair. Him? <laughs> no, definitely not him. I prefer the Fortune 500 type. One who owns blocks, not one who plays with them. <laughs> Chris Gauza here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, it's the holidays. So of course, we crank up the creepy with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Then we join the Guardians of the Galaxy in a Christmas search for Earth's greatest hero in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. As always, we'll break down the upcoming physical media releases, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and wrap it all up in a bow with Hoodat. It truly is an early Christmas gift from us to you, our listeners. So let us get this puppet show started with a bit of Pinocchio. Hello? Hello? Who are you? I feel as though you've been here before. I am Pinocchio. I'm a boy. And I think I'm... dead. Ah, yes. I see. The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. My sister's folly. The sentimental fool. She gave you life, Pinocchio, when you were not supposed to have it. No more than a chair or a table should. As a result, you cannot truly, truly die. Oh boy, oh boy! And, and that's good, right? Well, it means that you are not, nor will you ever be, a real boy like Carlo. The one thing that makes human life precious and meaningful, you see, is how brief it is. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Matt, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is here, the second Pinocchio film that we got in 2022. And if I confess, probably the one I was looking forward to the most between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So what is Guillermo's Pinocchio <laughs> all about? Well, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is about uh, basically an updating of the story slightly. They move it to World War One slash World War Two era Italy. Um, Geppetto has a son who we spend a little time with before he meets an untimely end. And then in a fit of uh, sadness, he creates a puppet that a fairy decides to give life so that he is no longer alone. And it's about the adventures of said puppet as he learns what it is to me human that sounds pretty deep bro <laughs> so let me ask you matt does this and i'll just get this out of the way truly stunning animation in this film does it potentially even outshine the story a story we saw earlier this year or did we so here's the thing have you actually read the original story that this is based on i haven't i'm just curious if you have Neither have I, I have not. Nope. Okay. So I don't know which of the ones that we've seen are more true to the original. Now, when I heard about this, I was looking forward to seeing what kind of madness uh, Guillermo del Toro could do with the Pleasure Island uh, sequence, but that is pretty much absent. We get a very different story. I mean, a lot of the beats are the same. There is a cricket that is a guide. There is uh, a blue fairy, obviously Pinocchio and Geppetto, even a monstrous fish or whale at the end. But a lot of the story beats are very, very different. And it's a much more melancholy affair, yet at the same time, more of a, a you know, affirming, like, life is beautiful type of affair. It almost is like it belongs in the kind of... If you told me that Studio Ghibli had made this, I would not have been surprised. Mm, that's interesting. I guess in the original story, he's the talking cricket. Okay. And uh, I think the the Lost Island or Toy Island, whatever the hell it is, I think that may have been specifically a Disney thing. Pleasure maybe? Island? Maybe. Okay. 
and like some of the songs, right? Like mm-hmm. I have no strings. Obviously, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the yes. Disney thing. Yes. So that's not in here. So yeah, I will say, Matt, I was astounded by the animation in this. That mm-hmm. it's stop motion. And Guillermo says too, this is like the purest form of animation for him. It's so detailed, so intricate, and so mm-hmm. passionate that it's something that's always amazed him. That's why he's always wanted to make this film. He called this his passion project, was getting this made. It took him years to make it. I guess it ran just into the ground a few times because he couldn't secure the financing. Mm-hmm. I guess we can thank the streaming wars for Netflix willing to pony up the uh, 30-plus million to uh, make this bad bear. Right. And now it's here. But I think one of the most interesting things for me Matt, while I was watching this film is that I realized that this is not a story about Pinocchio, as he's affectionately called in the <laughs> Disney animated remake from earlier this year. Mm-hmm. This is more a story about not just Pinocchio, but Geppetto, and about us, right? I think it's possibly, I don't know if deceptively is the right word, but that's what my note has, deceptively moving in philosophical animated film. There's a lot here for adults, and not like in a... Pixar kind of way where they throw in some adult themed jokes and it's just so much focused more here Matt right well I mean it covers a lot of stuff really but like you said what it means to be not just a a human boy Mm -hmm. but to be human Mm -hmm. it was really interesting what do you think about some of the decisions that Del Toro made first off is to transport this story to post-World War One, pre-World War II fascist Italy I thought that was a really interesting choice Um, I think you get that whole kind of villain um in the podesta uh and the kind of uh ideas that you can see affect like a generation and kind of what they're pushing these people to do and i thought it was a really interesting take i thought i don't know if if guillermo del toro is making a a comment on today's times who knows maybe but uh yeah i thought it was a, a very inspired choice yeah, I didn't see it that way as him making so much a, a statement on what's happening today. I, it felt, and if he did, then I, I would say it wasn't very successful. Mm-hmm. It felt much more like a plot move than it was anything else to kind of get certain things into place to kind of tell the story he wants to tell. Now, is there some bigger message about people having to kind of be puppets in order for a fascist regime to kind of take power and mm-hmm. to kind of just nod along and do what they're told? Sure, I guess so. Is there uh, potentially like an exploita- exploitation of youth, particularly in fascist regimes as well? Absolutely. And and I will say, too, that I think Del Toro is making a statement about that as well, is that Pinocchio is, it's really just to be who you are, right, as a, as a person. It's it's more important to be who you are and make your own choices to do what people want from you. Mm-hmm. Geppetto even has that in moment in the beginning where he basically wants his son back. That's all he wants. And I think in, in an opening of a film that may rival, or at least close to, the uh, also the most devastating opening in an animated film, which would be Pixar's Up, right? Mm-hmm. But he's so desperate to have Pinocchio conform to be like his son that he initially kind of rejects him. But then the whole thing is him becoming to love for, for Pinocchio for who he is and to encourage him to be who he really is instead of him trying to conform to be what people want him to be. It's a question authority. But be, you know, the best th- person that you can be, right? Be kind. Love thy neighbor. That's really one of some of the big statements I think Del Toro is making here. And I think it's mostly successful. And I will say there's a few times I watched this, Matt, that I forgot I was watching stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. It's so clean, so beautifully done. That I felt like I was watching a kind of a traditionally animated film today. It's really that impressive. It's not to, you know, cast shade on the uh, Leica folks, but this is just a level above for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think all the messages that he has, I think it, it, for the most part, I think was nice. But I think where it really kind of pulls into sharp focus for me is the kind of focus on mortality and the kind of transitive nature of life and how Mm. it kind of ends on this note where it's sad yet Pinocchio seems okay with it. Like he's learned like, you know, that there's more to it and he kind of goes out on his own kind of thing. So I thought that was an interesting way to end it. I don't think that he's, 
kind of rest of his message is nice, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking to me. But I found the ending to be much more poignant. And spoiler alert, but I guess another adaption where Pinocchio does not become a real boy, just like the one that we saw earlier this year. Yeah. Interesting. You're right about that, too. The way I think it does end perfectly with the passage of time and the passing of loved ones and mm-hmm. how, you know, just be thankful what that you had that time together with them, not that they have been lost. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, Matt. It's it's not as successful as I'd hoped it would be in certain situations. Some of it just blew me away, like the Black Rabbits mm-hmm. that act as the, what, kind of pallbearers or whatever when people die in the design of the afterworld or whatever yeah. it is, which is just a land made of coffins. Uh, just really interesting and fascinating, beautifully rendered stuff in this. Uh, it blew my mind that they had to create all that. Again, it's not, there's some CGI, but I think it's mostly just to remove basically the puppeteering mm-hmm. operational stuff. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Matt, I ended up giving Pinocchio a B+. Plus. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a B. I enjoyed it enough. I didn't really, though, find it to be anything really special and probably until that last maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I did like some of the stuff with Benito Mussolini. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, pretty that was pretty funny. funny. And Kate Blanchett's in this as well. So another week, another Kate Blanchett movie. That's it. Tilda Swinton as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this. Uh, Ron Perlman plays Podesto, who's our... Mm-hmm. Uh, Nazi guy who I guess what do I think too is weird is that it's supposed to be in Italy but like half the people if not two thirds or don't have Italian accents I don't even <laughs> think Pinocchio does does he no I think he's more English mm-hmm. yeah yeah well I mean what's what happens when uh, Walter Frey is your father I guess that does yeah what are you gonna do Finn Wolfhard is in this as well so uh, yeah it's uh, yeah well look Christoph Waltz plays Count Volpe yeah so lots of lots of big names worth checking out Matt Pinocchio or if you're in Italy, pronounced, is currently streaming on Netflix for your viewing enjoyment. I started to watch the uh, little making up feature that they uh, had on there on Netflix last night, but eventually I realized, oh, it's midnight. I need to go to bed. Mm, very good. <laughs> we had a chance to see Pinocchio. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run. Nope, I got that all wrong. Feedback at the first run.com. For some reason, Gmail popped into my head, and I have no idea why. So, and also, too, I only want to hear about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. If you got thoughts on Disney's Pinocchio, that time has passed. You missed your window. Yep. We, we in this show, we talk about it once, and then we move on. That's it. Unless it's, unless it's Drive, then we, or The Thing. We talk about it all the time. Or That's Sucker it. Punch. We'll yeah. review it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. All right, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, December 20th. I got some news to share with you. If you've enjoyed the physical media section of this show for the past 10 years, uh, we're going to make some wholesale changes. So enjoy this version of it while it lasts for another, what, two weeks or so, because it will be irrevocably changed for 2023. But Matt, coming out in 4K, just for you. We're in. It thinks I'm Falcon. Hello. How can it ask you that? It'll ask you whatever it's programmed to ask you. You want to hear it talk? Yeah. I'll ask it how it feels. I'm fine. How are you? Excellent. It's a long time. Can you explain the removal of your user account on June 23rd, 1973? They must have told it he died. People sometimes make mistakes. Yes, they do. How can I talk? It's not a real voice. Uh, this box just interprets signals from the computer and turns them into sound. Shall we play a game? There it is, Matt. The classic line. I know uh, you were hoping that you were going to hear it. Shall we play a game? <laughs> so, War Games is being released in 4K this upcoming Tuesday, December 20th. So, let's talk a little bit, Matt, what else is coming up here. One of the films we saw earlier this year, actually not even earlier, like a month ago, The Banshees of Sharon is getting released on Blu-ray. Couldn't find any 4K mentions. 
So uh, McDonald's won a couple, I think, best screenplay awards already. So we'll have to see if that uh, continues, if it gets any momentum there. Include some deleted scenes and a making of featurette. Another film we discussed just last week, Tar, is being released as well on physical media in 4K and in Blu-ray. No special features could be found on that one. The uh, superhero, I think, comedy film Secret Headquarters, which I think was here and gone, featuring Owen Wilson and Michael Pena, is being released as well. I don't know if that's like a peacock thing i don't know but it'll show up on one of those streamers i'm sure includes a gag reel some deleted and extended scenes i saw some people seem to really like it but kind of came and went the loneliest boy in the world matt is coming out on blu-ray a modern fairy tale but with zombies when the sheltered and unsocialized oliver is tasked with making new friends after the sudden devastating death of his mother he decides that digging a few up literally might be his best bet Matt, House of the Dragon is being released in Blu-ray and 4K. This is the Game of Thrones prequel, Mm -hmm. which I have not seen, nor have I seen the last three seasons of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So uh, did you catch up with House of the Dragon? I did. Now, I I can't tell you a show that I loved as much as Game of Thrones, how much it has fallen off for me, how much I was disappointed by those last seasons. But I quite enjoyed this. I thought it was quite good. So it's not as good as peak thrones but it's a return to form i had a lot of fun with it i don't know if i should just start rewatching because i still have to watch and or but just game of thrones it was so dense and i couldn't follow what was happening mm-hmm. half the time i didn't know any of the characters just drove me crazy let's see what else is coming up sandpiper is putting out a bunch of stuff that was on twilight time that has since been out of print that seems to be what they do Twilight Time puts some uh, movies out. They go out of print after about three years. Sandpiper picks them up. Wild Bill from Walter Hill featuring Jeff Bridges and Ellen Barkin and Diane Lane. Bridget Remigan featuring George Siegel, Robert Vaughn, and Ben Gazzara. The Hospital featuring George C. Scott. The Hawaiian starring Charlton Heston are all being released by Sandpiper. Uh, Mall Flanders featuring Robin Wright is getting its Blu-ray release. I think this is the first time it's on Blu-ray. And then Kino Lorber is putting out Magritte Season 1 which is uh, newly remastered on behalf of the network network releasing, excuse me, and a restoration featurette on the, uh, well, the restoration. Matt, 4K, we talked about War Games, which gets a Dolby Vision HDR presentation of the film from a 4K restoration of the original negative. Audio commentary by director John Badham, along with the writers Lawrence Lasker and Walter Parks. Some other making of featurettes. From what I can tell, no new featurettes, but just a new 4K scan. And of course, one of my favorite New York movies, I just watched it last year and was blown away by how good it was and entertaining. And that's The Taking of Pelham 123, the original with Walter Matthau. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's really good. It's a lot of fun. Featuring uh, all new audio commentary as well. Matt, your straight to DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with Paradise City. This one, I'm telling you basically about this so you avoid it. Do not watch it, because there's a lot of questionable things about this one. First off, Ian Swan must carve his way, Matt, through the Hawaiian crime world to wreak vengeance on the kingpin who murdered his father. Now, features John Travolta. Okay. Stephen Dorff. All right. Here's where we get into problems. Bruce Willis, again. I have no idea the current state of his health in this one. And then the one that really I thought was bizarre is Blake Jenner. Hmm. who I thought we had successfully canceled after it was revealed that he basically beat Melissa Benoit during their relationship. Just a real S-pile of a human being, Mm -hmm. but still getting some work, I guess. So avoid Paradise City, folks, please, at all costs. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Well, I wasn't going to suggest Barbarian on HBO Max, but somebody dropped that a little early last week. So this week, I'm going to just throw out there um, Jim Cotta. The 80s movie about uh, gymnastics turned into a martial art where a dude in a leotard kicks the crap out of a bunch of ninjas, and it's available on TCM, because it is a classic movie. Is it? Nice. Yeah. Would it be then on the HBO Max, I imagine? It didn't say on Just Watch that it was available on HBO Max, but it just said TCM. Yeah, because they have that TCM hub. That's true. So... Maybe I'm sorry, Matt, that you had a problem with me bringing it up last week. <laughs> we got an issue. You know what you can do? Oh, wait. That's not the right one. What? We're going to fight about it? All right. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. We were, <laughs> I guess so. No. What I meant to do... Where's my clip? See, what's really funny is when you start talking about stuff like, oh, I'll play a clip, and then you don't, and then it's really not funny anymore. So what you should do about it, Matt... Call a crackhead. That's what you should do about <laughs> All right. This is going to be a fast one, folks. Here we go. Let's spend a few minutes talking about... 
eh, I guess we're going to talk about... You know, man, I was looking forward to this one initially when I first heard about it. Mm-hmm. I like James Gunn. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. There are mm-hmm. fun times. Ooh, a holiday special to kind of a little appetizer, man, a little aperitif before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as Gunn closes out his trilogy. So let's check in with our favorite Guardians in their, uh, what the kids call nowadays, a holiday special. Maybe if we gave Peter a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. What kind of present? Something special he will never forget. What about someone special? What? Over the years, Cole has talked about one person more than any other. A legendary hero who has saved countless lives. We could give him the quill as a present. Matt, who who is that person? Who is that special hero that's going to uh, make Peter Quill and save his Christmas? Earth's yeah. true mightiest hero, Kevin Bacon. Now, conceptually, I love this idea. It sounds like a lot of fun. Fish out of water, right? You uh, you can shoot in, in the uh, States, so you maybe save a little money on effects. And uh, Kevin Bacon clearly does show up. He's clearly Game Care Sedgwick. His lovely spouse shows up via the phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, some other people. And it's, uh, although we do, I will say, we do get an appearance by, uh, um, what's his, what's her name there? The pup, who's going to be playing a larger role in uh, Guardians 3, uh, Cosmo, the space mm-hmm. talk, mm-hmm. which I was very looking forward to. I love me some pups. If you know mm-hmm. me in any capacity, you know I love me some dogs. So I was really looking forward to that. And Matt, there's a couple things about this film, this movie, the short that's currently available on Disney Plus that I outright loathed. Mm. I I don't know what I was expecting, but it really wasn't this. What are your thoughts on the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Am I well, wrong? I think yeah, I think you're being a little bit a uh, little bit of hyperbole, which you know is very unusual for you. But it is it is. Uh, yeah, there are some things that are a little weak on this. Like the way this thing kicked off, I was not super on board. But then when they kind of separate Drax and Mantis, I had a lot of fun with that. There's some parts that I thought were quite amusing, quite cute and funny. I mean, them talking about how repugnant actors are is, is I thought was a fun little gag. Um, no. 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 Yes, it no. is. Yes, it was. It's not. It wasn't funny. It was. It wasn't funny the first two times they did it. The third or fourth time, I did not find it amusing either. Yeah. It was so cheesy, winking at the camera, kind of like, get it? Because we're actors, right? Isn't that fun, right? And I'm like, garbage day. That's what I thought, Matt. Garbage well, day. Well, I think, Chris that you're not the arbiter of what's funny, even though you like to pretend that you are, um, especially what's on this show. And I have to disagree with you. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a cute, relatively entertaining Christmas special based off of the vein of a kind of thing that does not lend itself to holiday specials. And I, I thought, you know what? I think it was fine. Not a fan. Not a fan, man. It's uh <sighs> Okay, let me tell you what I hate it. I didn't like that actor's meta gag. I didn't mm-hmm. find it really that funny at all. But I really loathed what really made me upset was the the introduction or the appearance by the that was it the 90, the old ninety sevens the band. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of musical interludes, particularly when Kevin Bacon starts playing and they do a little Christmas song that I just was not. I was not in on at all. And I feel like the only reason why Bacon agreed to do this was because they said, he's like, can I, can I do like a musical number? And I'm like, yeah. All right, Kev, that's just going to take you to do the show. Then um, we'll let you do a musical number. It is like a traditional cheesy kind of holiday special. Mm-hmm. So if that's what Gunn is going for. Then he was successful. And I didn't hate the whole thing. I ended up, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of spoil and give you my grade right now. I gave it a C plus. Mm-hmm. All right, so I didn't think it was abysmal, but there's just some of the stuff I I just could not stand. It's it's not great. I didn't find it that particularly funny. The whole affair kind of felt a little forced to me at times. But I guess I, I appreciate the effort, and it's enjoyable enough. You know, if you got 44 minutes to kill and uh, you want to revisit these characters, it's fine. I think Chris Pratt is good here as his slightly put upon i guess peter quill who appreciates his friend's efforts but you know is 
constantly the uh what the warden the babysitter of mm-hmm. this ragtag group of misfits rocket shows up which i always appreciate and i guess like i said we had cosmo so i was happy about that but yeah yeah i mean chris i think well i agree with you that i thought the musical numbers were the weakest part of the show or movie whatever we're calling this thing the short i did like uh, the appearance of marina bakalova as cosmo the dog that was fun but I, honestly, guys, I think I'm going to have to just say it. I mean, this happens like two or three times a year. Don't listen to Chris. He's being a curmudgeon. He's being a humbug curmudgeon who thinks bad Santa is inappropriate, <laughs> you know, put into rotation. That's the kind of humor that we're dealing with here. I think this is, you know, if you're looking for just something you can watch with the kids or you're into the kind of Marvel films or you're into kind of hero comic book movies i think it's it's good enough fun i give this a b you know what i'm gonna give it a b plus i enjoyed it well enough that i thought it was pretty damn good and i think chris is absolutely wrong on this one we're a whole later grade apart oh good for you i'm very happy listen i'm glad you enjoyed it that (laughs) makes me happy you know, I get some joy out of that because mm-hmm. I got some other stuff to get really upset about in the next segment. So Great. I'll try and take some joy out of that. It's yeah, at least it wasn't three hours long. I guess I can I can say that. It's so. true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. The uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is, is uh, currently on Disney Plus. Um. I feel like I never want to listen to the old 97s. Maybe a perfectly good band. I'm familiar with Rhett Miller generally. It seems like a nice guy. I think their their band's probably fine, but I'm never going to see the Bacon Brothers now because of this. It really upset me that much. I don't know. What, I don't know. I love music. I don't mind musicals, unlike my esteemed co-host who cannot stand them. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it just everything felt so forced and contrived in this and well, the it, mugging to the camera half the you know every time too, especially when the 90 old 97s are in that alien kind of makeup. Mm-hmm. It was just a bridge too far for me. It was just too much. I mean, Chris, let's just accept this is your old man yells at clouds moment and just let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. <laughs> The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe I just need to chug some eggnog and uh, call it a night, get a nap. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe maybe Peepaw here needs a nap now. That's what I need. <laughs> Shoot us an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. So then we'll close up the show. Man, I don't know if we're going to break 45 minutes this week, Matt. We'll see. Wow, we are. It's, this is lean. Yes, it moving is. through. <laughs> so uh yeah well you know like i said i need my little nip, nippy nap time so let's go ahead and do a uh rousing rendition let's bring the heat matt mm-hmm. on our favorite role-playing game who dat what the fuck y'all god that's damn not that's god not it damn. <laughs> god damn that's not supposed to be it fuck I love that clip so much. You got to put that as a stinger at the end. <laughs> well, I may just leave it. I have a stinger already. Where uh, the heck is my? Where's my damn clip? I may leave all this in there for you, folks. You get to see me struggle. I can't even remember now what the clip is supposed to be either. <laughs> That's the most embarrassing part. I'm. Sc- I need to clean this up. Is what I need to do. We got Pinocchio. We got the stinger. I got sexual tyrannosaurus. Shall we play a game? Let's reset, Chris. It has to do with... Oh, okay. That's what it is. All right. Here's here's Matt. What, what I meant to play. Not quite as hilarious. Admiring your handiwork? Touring the riot scene. Gravely assessing the devastation. Upstanding mayor stuff. You're not the mayor. Things change. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. (laughs) You don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. Things change. Matt, 
That's Michael Keaton. Dan mm-hmm. DeVito as Batman and the Penguin. In Batman Returns, Tim Burton's sequel to, of course, The Batman. No, just Batman. Just right? Batman. Batman from 1989. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Batman is the most recent one. So, Matt, it's who that. You have to answer my question as the person I assigned to you. You are Mr. James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Lots going on. So, Henry Cable drops supposedly out of The Witcher because he's not going to be coming back as Superman. There's a treatment of Superman, or excuse me, Man of Steel 2 by the Peaky Blinders folks mm-hmm. that has been dismissed as no bueno. So, they're not moving forward with that film. Gunn has since stated, though, that Superman will be the focus of their universe relaunch, which I guess they're announced they're submitting their plan in the next week or so, or maybe mm-hmm. even this week. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen? But one of the big things that came out, supposedly, is that there was a secret Batman project, and it appears to have been Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. with Michael Keaton mm-hmm. as Batman, and that Michelle Pfeiffer was going to return as Catwoman, mm-hmm. as his love interest, to make an appearance in the film. So, Matt, you're James Gunn. Also, supposedly, too, that they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths. That yeah. was going to be Cable's big thing, too. And, of course, we've since heard that Wonder Woman, Woman 3 has been canceled, which, I, all right. I'm not that <laughs> as upset about that one. So, what's going on with the DCU, Matt? Uh, is Cable going to stick around? From what I understand, they're not interested at the moment in recasting anybody. Mm-hmm. So it means at some point Ezra Miller is going to have to get some help and go on his apology tour. But still, what are the plans with DCU and how can you, first off, even before you got there, we got denied Keaton as Batman. Looks like we may never see it at this point, maybe depending on what happens with the Flash. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Well, uh, first, I definitely want to keep Cable. I think he is a... Excellent Superman. He's a good actor. He's a looks the part. Um, he's a good guy. I think he deserves at least a chance to kind of make the Superman film that I think he wants to make, that I want to make. And I think, you know, he's somebody that's worth keeping around. As far as Michael Keaton, it was so difficult to get him to come back in the first place. I don't know if he's going to be a little... Uh, gun shy with the fact... Ha, gun shy. <laughs> because of uh, the fact that he... Uh, you know, made this film um, with Batwoman and it was scrapped and all of his plans were scrapped and you saw the stuff that happened with Affleck. Um, I don't really know. But I mean, I would just trust in that I've got a plan. It's going to focus on Superman. You know, I'm going to plot all this story out and I think that you're really going to enjoy it, Chris. You, personally, because I'm making it for you, Mr. Peter Scalzo. See, I... Two things. One, I think... Philip Noble tweeted out, and I think this is exactly, I th- I've said it before, but not exactly this way, but it's such a perfect distillation of what's happened in the cable is that he's the, he's the Timothy Dalton mm. uh, of James Bonds for basically, he was a good Bond, but he never got a great film. And um, I still think that about cable. I think he's a good Superman, but he has not had a good Superman movie. Um, though I love Living Daylights, but it's, you know, it's not a Goldfinger. It's not, you know. So anyway, I'm nervous about Gunn. I'm going to be honest with you, because uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one's great. second one's solid, though I think at times there's parts of it I enjoy more than the first. But I don't know. I don't know, because I don't know if his instincts are always what I'm looking for, like Mm -hmm. this holiday special, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But when before, when it was first announced, I was like, thank God. Now I'm like, okay, God, let's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Yeah, I mean, suicide. The Suicide Squad, or was it the Suicide Squad, or just Suicide Squad? Which one's his? It was the Suicide Squad. Was okay. His. The su- the Suicide Squad was not great, in my opinion. It was better. But than Peacemaker. The- but Peacemaker is awesome. Peacemaker is excellent. So I, it really, the problem with Gunn is that he seems to be very hit or miss, and I don't know yeah. if there's going to be a lot of tolerance for misses. So he better come out of the gate swinging and really build up some goodwill before he, you know, has any mediocre outings. And I think too, I cut you off, but I think what you were about to say that you feel like his Suicide Squad was better than David Ayer's. It is. Were we is. in agreement on that? Yeah. Yeah. But it's still not great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my turn? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Um, So you're James Jimmy Cameron. Okay, sure. You've got Avatar coming out next week. You are the curmudgeonliest old man that I've seen in a long time yelling at everybody about the way things are, 
how great this thing is going to be, how people just need to get over themselves and just trust the director as an artist and really just winning yourself all kinds of goodwill. Um, you had the, a plan of a five, five total Avatar films. So you've got three more that you have to do. If that actually happens, Jim, are those going to be your last films? Is this what you're going to end a great filmic le- legacy on? So I believe I've stated that I will be doing five more movies, three Avatar and two other projects, and then I'm okay. out. Okay. Now, it's entirely possible, too, I could hand off an Avatar film to somebody else, too, depending on how I'm doing. Now, here's the problem. If it takes me, what's it been, 13 years, 12 years or something like that? Mm-hmm. If it takes me that long to kind of crap one of these suckers out, then um, I guess I'm not making five more movies. Right. Because I'm not, you know, not to be ageist, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting up there. I was making movies, Matt, for a very long time. So it could be a while. I'm not sure. I don't know. But that's my plan. Again, is to do my Avatar sequels, but also to do two other side project films. Yeah, I'm 68. I'm clocking in at 68. Mm-hmm. So that's, let's be clear. I'm not making five movies at the rate I work mm-hmm. at 68. <laughs> <laughs> well who knows clint's still churning him out and he's yeah. what 103 <laughs> that's true yeah 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 so well, you, you can see the know. product that clint is producing now in his later yeah. years yeah so what i'm thinking about doing is trying again for the for the third time to fix the uh terminator franchise okay and then maybe i'll direct a pinocchio i'm not sure i'll have to see <laughs> you're gonna okay very good um, titanic 2 the lusitania mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do Interesting. Like that. Yeah, readapt the. I don't know. It's something. Make a make another aliens movie. Just you know, show how it's done. Yeah, Light absolutely. Yeah, Ridley um, Scott can suck. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I unless he's been filming these things, doing like a Peter Jackson and and filming these things concurrently. I don't see how it's possible he's going to get three more Avatar films out of this. That's insane to me. The first one was supposed to be out two years ago. Granted, there was COVID, but still. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see. I don't know. You could, you know, you could be walking out of that way of water, a changed man, Matt. You never know. You could be drinking the Avatar Kool Aid by the time you're out of there. I will give Jim Cameron the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I was thoroughly, thoroughly underwhelmed by the original Avatar. I don't see what everybody thought was a big deal about it. So we shall see. Well, that's the big question, right? Is is what's he going to deliver this time? A generally engaging film or another special effects extravaganza that, pro- you know, that propels cinema or movie making forward technologically, mm. but doesn't provide us a really engaging story? Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of B, a lot of B. Yeah, Chris. Great, Matt. <laughs> you are. I got. What do I want to go with here? I actually had a camera on here, but I'm going to toss that because I think I just kind of asked it to you. Mm. So we'll say you are Guillermo del Toro. Okay. What's been your favorite project to work on, and can we somehow crowdsource your uh, at the Mountains of Madness film? Can we? Mm. Is there a way to get this done? Yeah. Um, I think my favorite project to work on as a director uh, was probably Pacific Rim, just because maybe it wasn't the most artistically rewarding, but it was one that I was given a lot of tools at my disposal. It allowed me to make a film that was just big and bombastic and a lot of fun, Um, whereas I think Pan's Labyrinth is probably up there as my best film. I think I had the most fun making Pacific Rim. Um, and I'm all for you, you know, whatever it takes to get the mountains of madness made. I've in my recent Netflix series, I did several, or at least uh, there were several, uh, Lovecraft adaptions in those episodes. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, you know, you saw, I assume the leaked, uh, test footage or the proof of concept, that was out there. So I think I'm hoping it's going to be like a Deadpool and it'll just force people to, you know, put some pressure on the studios to produce it. I hope you're right. Yeah. I still got to watch that. What is it? Of cabinet of curiosities or mm-hmm. something like that. Whatever it's called. Yeah. <sighs> so much to watch. So, uh, good to know. <laughs> yeah. But if I really understand that, um, that leaked test footage from, uh, according to our co-host, Matt Howell, 
there isn't really a creature like that in that book, right? No, that's not, how, not that's not the design. No. But it doesn't no. matter. It was still pretty damn cool. Yeah, fair enough. I hope you're right. We'll see. Okay. Um, all right. So uh you're my boy George Miller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh you're making Furiosa with uh, Anya Taylor Joy, um, Furiosa prequel. Are you gonna make any more Max films? Um, no, I think I may do a, a pig uh in the city. What's it called? Babe Pig in the City. Babe I may do another babe film. Mm-hmm. Um wait, hold on. Razor blades. I gotta get my Australian <laughs> accent down. Blimey, put a little shrimp on the bob. No. <laughs> Nobody says the key, that. <laughs> I think the key they say is is the term razor blades. You say it and that's how you because it's supposed to what does it translate into? I can't remember. Razor blades is how you get into it. Anyway. Am I nailing that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Sure. I am clocking it at 77 myself. Mm. So <laughs> I'm doing this. I did that genie movie, which I really liked, but didn't really find an audience. Yeah. That's fine. You know, go screw off. But uh, I'm excited about the Furiosa film. I think it's going to be great. Everybody's going to enjoy that. And maybe we'll see if we can rope in Tom Hardy for I'll do one more. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember, I need to need to have the right story. Because my Mad Max movies aren't really about Mad Max. They're about yeah. the people that surround him. Yeah. So if I can find uh, another story that really ignites my passion, you know, then absolutely. And I'm sure we'll be able to get Tom Hardy back on board, I imagine. He's not kicking people's asses in martial arts <laughs> tournaments. Yeah. Um, I heard that Tom Hardy was notoriously difficult, George. So, you know what? Oh. Uh, just don't let that hold you up. Just treat max as like a legendary character because these are not really his stories he's just there hire somebody else that's easier to work with for you and you're all right i'll probably go years. chalamet i'll go, <laughs> go i'll go chalamet it's max <laughs> just made him put on like you know 50 pounds of anything weight water weight something so he's on hey a if rapper Pattinson can come in at a buck 10 and play batman i think i <laughs> can go ahead and uh, have chalamet play max there, there you go Great. just starts cutting people in half with his uh cheekbones <laughs> Where am I? Is it me? Uh, Matt, you're John David Washington. I was going through some stuff and your name popped up again. I don't know because it was Amsterdam, one of my favorite films of the year, he said sarcastically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest with you. You have not impressed me at all as of late. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel a little nepotism baby stuff going on here, maybe. You certainly see... I mean, you could appear to be charming i think i'm i it's not that i don't think you can act i i I think you can but i think your decisions you're coming out a little one note i think is my problem Mm -hmm. what can we do to get me back in your camp um well i think first and foremost you have to give me time and stop comparing myself comparing me to my father i know it's tough but i don't have the kind of larger than life charisma that my father does. I'm a much more subdued performer. And I think you need to kind of jettison that legacy away from it and just judge every performance that I have on its own merits. Now I agree uh, that not that I'm loath, I'm loath to admit it, but I, I agree with you that nepotism probably paid quite a bit in my ability to get these kind of jobs. But I, I think I've got a little bit more on the tank. I'll, give me at least one or two more films, please, Mr. First Ron. I was, I was thinking about you as Ron Stallworth in Black Klansman, which is an electric film. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, the more I feel like he was like the weakest link in that entire thing. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of presence. He wasn't a lot of charisma, that's for sure. So that's too bad. All right, I'm pulling for you. Maybe do some small pick. Maybe go the the Pattinson route just to bring back uh, the Batman there. Mm-hmm. You know, he did some smaller films. I think that was the first thing I saw Pattinson in, and I was like, "What the hell?" Um, it may have been Rover, that Australian mm-hmm. film. Yeah, I think yeah. we did for the show. Yeah, that was intense, and he. That's when I was like, "Holy cats!" And he did that other one with that guy I can't stand, Charlie Hunnam. Explorer one based on the true story. He was his colleague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I've already forgotten what it is, but it's like they're flooring the Amazon for the lost city of gold. Although I completely forgot yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. He's really good in that as well. But I will say, I, I enjoyed Hunnam in uh, uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Mm. 
mm-hmm. with uh, McConaughey. Actually, that's a film I've revisited a couple times. That that holds up really well on yeah. uh, you know repeat viewings, especially if you're an old middle aged white guy. Matt, <laughs> what what you got any more for me? I got one more. Um, all right, so you're Danny Academy. It's been a weird year for uh movies apparently people are not going out to see the kind of uh arty award baby films they're losing money is this a year where a big film wins the actual best picture is top gun maverick the best film of the year first off who the fuck is danny academy (laughs) what i mean we can't use johnny hollywood because we use Johnny okay. Hollywood, so I came up with a different name. Because you the guy's in be charge the, of the Oscars, yeah, you're the collective Academy get personified. Oh, all right. I, I thought it was like you know the guy who was named after it would be Oscar Academy. <laughs> that's the guy's name. Oh, that's, um, that's much smarter. But I wanted to kind of fit with the theme of like Johnny Hollywood. That's all right, Danny Academy. <laughs> I like that, Danny Oscars. What do I like better? Either way, uh sure, yeah, why not? Um, the world's going to end probably in about five to ten years, mm-hmm. hook by hook or by crook. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time, Matt. Everybody loves some Tom Cruise. We're going to – the the whole plot of the film doesn't make sense if you think about it because the whole point of what they're trying to do would work better if it was done by drones. Mm-hmm. But still, yes, it's a crowd pleaser. There isn't a real – up to this point with some of the artsy stuff we saw – there doesn't seem to be anything that's really blowing people's socks off general, genuinely around the Academy. And so I don't, I'm not sure. So like what, what's come left? Babylon's coming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's mixed reviews on that one, Bardo. But it's just a Mexican film shot entirely in Mexico in, in Spanish. I don't know if they're going to get on board with that. It's also a Netflix movie. There's Return to Soul. supposed to be good. We haven't checked that out yet. She said it's getting some buzz. After Sun seems to be the one that's getting a lot of talk. Um, but that's a very small independent film that hopefully um, that wonderful show, the first run, will cover after Sun at some point when it hits the yeah, streaming abilities. But, is it yeah, so if you were to say, what are the odds on that? Top Gun winning Best Picture here, mm-hmm. me, myself, as mm-hmm. Danny Academy? <laughs> I would say I would say I'm sitting at 70% right now. Yeah. I think it's pretty likely. I mean... For better or worse, it's probably the most fun I had all year. We've seen a lot of movies this year. We see a lot of movies for you guys every year. So, so many. But there's that was a lot of fun. I would that and everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I, I don't know if it has a wide enough appeal, but that was yeah. also one of the most fun experiences I had at the cinema. Yeah, and see, it's like, just by the sheer fact of what Tom Cruise has been doing to try and get these things produced, it almost feels like he's putting the Hollywood studio system on his back, and I think that they're going to reward that. Could very well, but then next year he'll win again for the next Mission Impossible film, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what he'll do. So, good times. Matt, I got one last question for you. There's a Willow show on Disney Plus? Apparently, yeah. Your Warwick Davis. Let's close it out. One more here. What's what's going on with the Willow show? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was not the biggest fan of Willow, the movie mm. itself. Thought it was just okay. You know what? A, I had the opportunity to make it. Obviously, it's you know work for me, and uh, I really enjoyed. I think there's a lot more to this world than. Um, you know, people I think give it credit for. I think that there's a chance to kind of really expand it into these kind of prestige fantasy show. And I think the time is right to give it a go. If not now, when? So, you know what? Watch it and maybe you'll like it. Eh, right. As myself, I haven't seen it yet, though. So, I can't ah, say if it's enough. any good or not. I'm I'm waiting for the Lady Hawk. Uh, See, I, when thing. I saw it, I was thinking, I can't wait for Beastmaster to come out. There you go. <laughs> A tour, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. There, uh, uh, or you know, what we should do if we can get Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Why the hell have we not gotten King Conan yet? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, you think uh, Arnold's might have aged out by this point. I mean, he's not quite he himself totally, anymore. Yeah. Well, we don't have to. He could wear like a loincloth or a big, you know, the 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 fur of some bear that he killed <laughs> if he needs to cover up a bit. That's fine. If I can get a, another goddamn Expendables movie next mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. Uh, this one I think is focusing on Statham. 
But still, give the people what they want. Give us a King Conan movie. He has to defend the land from some hordes of invaders, whatever. Sorcerers, James Earl Jones, you can roll him out again. I don't know. <laughs> Just do... I, I don't understand it. You think there would be a market for that. Yeah, you would think. Talk to Johnny Hollywood. And Danny I will. <laughs> Danny Academy. <laughs> His friend Danny <laughs> There's our role-playing game this week, folks. Who dat? Uh, what would you answer if you were some of these luminaries in the entertainment business? Shoot us an email at feedback at com. Matt, what's coming up next week on the big show? Uh, Avatar Deuce, The Way of Water. It's finally being released, so we're going to have to go see it just for you guys. And we're also going to watch uh, She Said. That is the current plan right now. At the moment, we may always call an audible. You never know. And mm-hmm. I am excited to break down our five favorite James Cameron scenes. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Uh, I, uh, we started doing that this year, I think, mm-hmm. uh, breaking down you know our favorite scenes from certain directors. So I can tell you one that will not be on there is that god-awful love scene in the hotel in Terminator mm. <laughs> between Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton is one of the most cringe things I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe that'll be the opener or at least a stinger for next week, I guess. Spoilers. It's still God, not as that scene so much. It's still not as cringe as Tom Cruise's sex scene in Top Gun with uh, Kelly McGillis. That is like the close ups of the silhouettes of them like kissing is like is like the most cringy thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but it's got it's got the you take my breath away in that thing over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. you can't really go wrong there. True, true. <laughs> so, all right, that's it, folks. Uh, check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can find the report card, archives of all the old shows, and then also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review, and it'll help other people find us. So you can share the love. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and take an extended break. Take care of yourselves. We love you very much. We'll see you soon. I like a puppets. <laughs>